Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So... Back when I was growing up, the days leading up to both my birthday and Christmas were always filled with so much anxiousness and anticipation. Just thinking about all of the potential hiding beneath the wrapping paper, right? that, that just brought so much excitement and expectation, and I would begin to have dreams at night filled with so much imagination about what could be in those presents. There's just something about getting presents when you're a, a child. And so typically ripping into to the wrapping paper, ripping into those gifts, receiving those gifts would usually be moments filled with so much joy. Unless you were a child in the 80s and you received Tonka's Rock Lords. All right, now, if you haven't heard of Tonka's Rock Lords, that's probably a good thing because it was a failed product in the 80s. Tonka was trying to cash in on the craze of the Transformers, and so they created a Transformer of their own. But their Transformer didn't transform into anything cool like a car or or a truck, or even an animal, their transformers transformed into a rock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so when, when these transformers, when they weren't in robot form, they were really just lumps of plastic, which, let's be honest, not really that much fun to play with, right? And so this toy that was meant to bring so much joy to children really did the opposite. So... We're in a series that we launched last week titled Undeniable Joy, and as we're going through this series, we're simply walking through the book of Philippians. So let me just remind you right now of our working definition for biblical joy. Joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. Let me say that again. Joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us, regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. And, and, and remember, the, 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 the spirit that I'm referring to is not our own spirit at work within us, and I'm not referring to some mystical spirit at work within us. I'm specifically referring to the Holy Spirit that every single believer receives upon the moment of their salvation. And so if you've given your life to Christ, then you have received this spirit and the Holy Spirit is at work within you and it can produce in your life joy even when the circumstances in your life in and of themselves may not be joyful. Now as we think about joy from this biblical perspective, what this means is that that for the believer, Christ doesn't take 
take the good things or the good moments in our life and, and transform them into something negative, really, he does the opposite. When we, when we are walking in that relationship with Christ, what Christ will do in our life is he will take these lump, lumps of plastic, he will take these hard times, these struggles, these moments that are not joyful moments, he will take these moments in our life and, and he can transform them into wonderful and joyful moments for His glory and for our good. So let me just pause right here and ask, what are those lumps of plastic in your life today? Maybe it's a job that you hate. Maybe it's a, an unexpected illness in your life. What are those lumps of plastic in your life today? And, and, and I want you to hear me. The, this lump of plastic in your life that maybe you would look at it and you would say, man, this isn't at all what I expected right now. Whatever that lump of plastic might be, I want you to hear me. God can transform that lump of plastic in your life. And he can use this lump of plastic in your life for, your, for, for his glory and for your good. And let me just tell you, knowing that, that God can take those negative moments, those difficult circumstances, those struggles, these lumps of plastic, knowing that he can take these things and transform them into something good, something joyful for his glory and for our good, there is so much joy in knowing that. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 20 today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. And as you're turning there, I want to take you back to verses 9 through 11. This is the end of Paul's prayer that we looked at last week. Paul said in verses 9 through 11, And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, as we look at those verses, I want to highlight for you that phrase, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel is. The good news for you and for me is that because of Jesus and through Jesus, righteousness can be produced in our life. You see, apart from Christ, there is no one righteous, no not one. This is what we see several times in Scripture, but Paul actually reminds us of this truth in Romans chapter 3, that not a single one of us in and of ourselves is righteous. Not a single one of us in and of ourselves has the ability to produce any kind of righteousness in our own lives. You see, even our own righteousness, even our own good works, apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, in comparison to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our own good works are like that of filthy rags. And so the gospel, the good news for us, is that while we were unrighteous, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when we are saved, we are given not our own righteousness. We are given his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ 
in our lives. Understand, righteousness is not something that we can work for, earn, or achieve. Let me say that again. Righteousness is not something that we can work for, earn, or achieve. Because your goodness and my goodness will never be good enough. Your work and my work will never be hard enough. But Jesus was good enough. And his work on the cross was the perfect work that needed to be completed for our salvation so that we could receive his righteousness into our lives. Righteousness is not something that we can work for, earn, or achieve, but by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, through the finished work of, of Christ on the cross, his righteousness is something that we receive. This is the gospel. This is the good news, the message that Paul was preaching. This is the message that landed Paul in prison, that we cannot work for our own salvation, but it is given to us through Jesus Christ. This landed Paul in prison, and yet while Paul was in prison, what we see, we've already seen this in this letter, we're going to continue to see this in this letter, is that Paul's joy has not been stolen. Paul continues to have great joy So let's read our passage right now, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ." Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know, uh, I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body whether by life or by death. Now, as we look at this passage today, I want to begin by highlighting what Paul says there in verse 13. Paul says, My imprisonment is because I am in Christ. And I want to begin by highlighting Paul's words there because I think that many times, especially in our American culture, we have this idea that because we are in Christ, because we have given our lives to Christ, that nothing bad should ever happen to us again. We have this incorrect idea that because we've given our lives to Christ, that maybe the struggles in our life, the troubles in our life, the trials in our life, that, that maybe they should all disappear that, that following Christ somehow is going to make our lives in this world, on this earth, perfect. But I want you to understand that that is not the gospel. 
In fact, if, if you have believed that because you've given your life to Christ that you're no longer going to have any struggle, that you're no longer going to have any trouble or trial or tribulation in this world, then you have believed a false gospel. Because God's promise for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ is not a life free from troubles. It's not a life free from trials and tribulations. In fact, Jesus himself said in John 16, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. You see, the gospel is not come to Jesus and your life will suddenly become easy. Your bank account will suddenly become full and, and all of your wildest dreams will suddenly come true. That's not the gospel. The true gospel reminds us that even though we may have problems, we can still have peace. Even though we may have problems, we can still have peace because we have a Savior that has conquered the world. Paul says, my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. And yet in prison, Paul continues to have this great peace and Paul continues to have this great joy because Paul knows that he has placed his hope and he has placed his faith in the Savior that has conquered the world. So let me just pause right here and ask, have you placed your faith in the Savior that has conquered the world. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, then let me just remind you that, that for you, the first step in, in receiving and walking in this peace and this undeniable joy that we're talking about throughout this series, the first step for you is to come to Jesus Christ and to know Jesus Christ as Lord and so if you don't know Jesus as Lord, if you've never given your life to Christ, then my prayer would be that today you would come to know him as Lord so that you can begin walking in this peace and in this joy that we're talking about. The reason Paul has this peace, the reason Paul has this joy that we're talking about is because he does know Christ, because he has placed his faith in the Savior that has conquered the world. And so he knows that Christ is bigger, right? Christ is the Savior that has conquered the world. So Christ is bigger. And so for the next few moments as we walk through this passage, there are three specific things that I believe we see in this passage that Christ is bigger than. Certainly Christ is bigger than all things. But there are three things that I believe that we see in this passage that Christ is bigger than. So we're going to look at these today. First, Christ is bigger than our struggles, Christ is bigger than our struggles. Let's read verses 12 through 14 again. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Christ is bigger than our struggles. So there's a reality show on TV that Sarah and I have gotten into called 60 Days In. Anybody heard of 60 Days In? So, all right, we got one. So in, in 60 Days In, these, these 
innocent people volunteered to, to be put in jail, in county jail, and to be treated as a prisoner, a full-blown prisoner for 60 days. The guards don't know that uh, they're not really prisoners. The other prisoners don't know that they're not really prisoners. So they are innocent people being treated as prisoners for 60 days. And the purpose for this is so that they can gain information for the sheriff on how drugs are getting into the jail or maybe even how uh, weapons are being made and hidden in the cells. And what they discover, many of them discover, is that jail is not an easy thing. And some of them even have to be pulled from the program early because their life is literally in danger. Paul has been thrown into prison. And while he is guilty of preaching the gospel, really Paul is an innocent man. He's not a hardened criminal here. And so even though he's not in a modern-day jail cell... The threat on his life is very real. In fact, as we read uh, this letter, we see that, that Paul is really not sure if he's going to make it out of jail alive or dead. He, he really doesn't know what's going to happen. But even in the midst of this prison, even not knowing if he's going to live or die, what he says is this, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. You see, Christ is bigger than our struggles. Paul, being in prison, this, this very real struggle in his life, God is using this struggle in his life for the advancement of the gospel. See, I think our natural inclination, when, when bad things happen to us in our, in our lives, I think the natural inclination is for us to ask the question, why is this happening to me. But, but knowing that God can use even our struggles for his glory and our good, knowing that God can use our struggles for the advancement of the gospel, I think a better question to ask might be, how can God use this for his glory? Or maybe even more specifically, how can God use this for the advancement of the gospel? When we have those struggles, when we have those hard times, when we have those lumps of plastic in our life, how can God use this for his glory? How can God use this for the advancement of the gospel? So this is probably because I'm a pastor, I admit that, but, but I often find that, that I'm looking at most things in, in my life. I'm always playing this mental game where, where I'm looking at things for an opportunity to share the gospel. Because when you're a pastor and you, you preach every week, you can never have too many, many illustrations, right? And so I'm always looking at things, whether it's a conversation that I have, whether it's something that happened to someone else, whether it's something I see on TV, I'm always kind of looking at that in, in such a way to, to see how can I use this to share the gospel? How can I get another illustration out of this? I, I find that, that I tend to look at things through the lens of the gospel. I don't say that to sound holy. I, I just say that because that, that's just kind of a mental game that I play so that I can have illustrations. Listen, when you look at things through the lens of the gospel, you begin to see things differently. When you look at things through the lens of the gospel, you begin seeing things differently. And so that's my challenge for you. 
to look at things through the lens of the gospel. Because when you look at things through the lens of the gospel, what others might see in your life as a struggle, you will be able to see it as an opportunity for the gospel to be advanced, for God to be glorified, for Jesus to be proclaimed. So let me just pause right here and ask, what is, what is the struggle in your life today? Or, or what I asked earlier, what is that lump of plastic in your life today? And whatever that, that struggle might be, whatever you would say, this isn't what I expected in my life, let me encourage you, begin looking at it through the lens of the gospel so that you can see it differently, so that you won't simply see it as a struggle, but that you would be able to see it as an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed, for the gospel to be advanced. doesn't mean that the struggles will suddenly become easy. Prison didn't suddenly become easy for Paul, but Paul still had joy knowing that what has happened to him has actually advanced the gospel. So Christ is bigger than our struggles. Second, Christ is bigger than people's agendas. Let's read verse 15 through 18 again. It says, To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Christ is bigger than people's agendas. So what Paul is saying here is that there are some... Because Paul has been put in prison, there are some that have been motivated to preach the gospel fearlessly. They are preaching the true gospel because they love Paul, they love Jesus, they love the gospel. They're preaching the true gospel so that they can see the gospel taken further, so that they can see unbelievers come to repentance, unbelievers come to salvation. They are preaching the gospel with sincere motives. But then you have others that have this competitive heart, this rivalry, this rivalry with Paul. They're kind of happy that Paul is in prison. And so these people, they are still preaching the true gospel. They're still preaching truth. However, they're not preaching with a sincere heart like these others. They are preaching with, with these uh, impure motives these false motives. They're preaching the gospel with an agenda. Their, their agenda is not to see people come to know Christ. Their agenda is to bring further harm to, to Paul while he is in prison. But what we see is that Paul, knowing this, Paul still rejoices because Paul realizes that regardless of people's agendas, Christ is bigger the ones preaching the gospel with sincere motives, they're still getting the gospel out there. The ones preaching the gospel with these insincere or these false motives, they're still getting the gospel out there as well. And so unbelievers, whether they're listening to those that are preaching with sincere motives or whether they're listening to those that are, that are preaching with false motives, unbelievers are still hearing the gospel either way. Christ is still being 
proclaimed. And so Paul says, I still rejoice in this because Paul recognizes regardless of their, their agenda, Christ is bigger. Christ is bigger than people's agendas. Now, we live in a world filled with people's agendas, whether they are personal agendas, whether they are religious agendas, whether they're social agendas, whether they are political agendas. We live in a world that is filled with people's agendas. So I want to remind you of this once again. Regardless of people's agendas, Christ is bigger. And God is big enough to accomplish His will and His purpose regardless of people's agendas. Your agenda, my agenda, his agenda, her agenda, their agenda. It doesn't matter whose agenda we're talking about. Their agenda is not bigger than God. God is big enough to accomplish his will and his purpose regardless of people's agendas. We see this clearly here in Paul's imprisonment. Their agenda in throwing Paul in prison was to prevent Paul from continuing to preach the gospel. Their agenda was to stop Paul from proclaiming the gospel. And yet what we see is that when they threw Paul into prison, it didn't prevent Paul from preaching the gospel. It just gave him a new audience. Now Paul is preaching the gospel to the imperial guard. Paul is preaching the gospel to the other prisoners. Paul is preaching the gospel to whoever might be in front of him. It didn't prevent Paul from preaching the gospel. It just gave him a new audience. But not only do we see this truth at work in Paul's life, that, that God is bigger than people's agendas, that Christ is bigger than people's agendas, we see this so clearly through the life and death of Jesus Christ. You see, when people arrested Jesus, when they spit on Jesus, when they mocked Jesus, when they nailed Jesus to a cross, when they shoved that spear in his side, it was all done with an agenda. Their desire, their agenda was to shut Jesus up. Their desire was to see Jesus dead. They just wanted Jesus gone. But I want you to hear me today, church. Christ is bigger. And so they put Jesus in a tomb and they rolled that giant stone in front of the tomb. Their agenda was that no one would come in, that no one would get out. But I want to remind you, church, that Christ is bigger on the third day, that stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out of that tomb victorious over death and the grave. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't heard me say it already, Christ is bigger. Christ is bigger than people's agendas. God is big enough to accomplish his will, and his purpose, regardless of people's agendas. So regardless of the agenda that you might hear when you turn on your TV, or, or regardless of the agenda that you might see when you're scrolling through your social media and news feed, regardless of the agendas that you might see in those headlines from day to day, I want to remind you that Christ is bigger than people's agendas. And when, our, and, and when we live our lives with this understanding that Christ is bigger than people's agendas, then regardless of the agendas that we see, just like Paul did, we will still be able to rejoice, even in the most troubling of times. So Christ is bigger than our struggles. Christ is bigger than people's agendas. 
Finally this morning, Christ is bigger than our fears. Let's look at verse 20 again. It says, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ is bigger than our fears. So I want to introduce you to a word this morning. The word is nomophobia. Some of you may have nomophobia because nomophobia is the fear of being without your mobile phone. So obviously this fear has been created in the last couple of decades, and my guess would be that, that this fear has grown with the invention of smartphones when we have everything on our phone. So nomophobia is a more recent fear. But let me just tell you about a fear that's been around for many decades, and I would say that is the fear of sharing the gospel. And the reason why I say we have this fear of sharing the gospel, one, because we don't do it more often, but two, because many times we come up with excuses as to why we shouldn't share the gospel, right? This isn't the right time. I don't have a good enough relationship with this person. I don't want to say the wrong thing and maybe mess it up, right? We, we, we can come up with a list of excuses as to why we shouldn't share the gospel. And, and the reality is, is many, time we, many times we let this fear of sharing the gospel prevent us from sharing the gospel. And listen, I don't say any of this to make you feel bad because I do the same thing. I'm only able to come up with those excuses because I've come up with those excuses myself in my own life. So let me just remind you and let me also remind me of something that will help us overcome this fear. Christ is bigger. Christ is bigger than your timing. Christ is bigger than that relationship you might have with someone. Christ is bigger than whether or not you mess up when you're sharing the gospel. Christ is bigger, and he can use all of those opportunities if we are simply willing to walk in obedience to share. Christ will use all of that in someone's life so that they can come to salvation. Maybe they won't come to salvation. We'll leave that in God's hands. We'll leave that in the Lord's hands. He is bigger. It's not our job to save people. It's just our job to share. So a few years back, I was leading, uh, when I was leading the young adult ministry at First Baptist Watauga, I took our young adults ice skating. And, and as we were ice skating, I learned that one of our uh, young adults knew how to do a lot of tricks on the ice. They could spin, they could do a lot of these cool things on the ice. And so he asked me, would you like me to teach you? Would you like to learn how to do some of this stuff? And I said, No. And he said, what's the worst that could happen? And I said, I could die. <laughs> because if we're talking about worst case scenarios, in my mind, the worst case scenario is always going to be death, right? There's nothing worse than death, right? So worst case scenario, I could die. Paul knows that the worst case scenario for him is death. But he doesn't let death even prevent him from sharing the gospel, even though he's in prison for sharing the gospel. He continues to share the gospel because he knows that Christ is bigger than his worst-case scenarios. Christ is bigger than his fears. 
So let me just pause right here and ask, what is your fear? When, when it comes to sharing the gospel, what is your fear? What's that worst case scenario? And let me just remind you once again that Christ is bigger. He's bigger than your fears. He's bigger than your worst case scenario. And when we recognize that Christ is bigger than our struggles, when we recognize that Christ is bigger than people's agendas, when we recognize that Christ is bigger than our fears, we will be able to walk in and experience this undeniable joy as we recognize that God can use all things for the advancement of the gospel. And let me just tell you, there is great joy in knowing that. But as we get ready to close today, let me just tack this one on as well. Christ is bigger than your sin. Christ is bigger than your sin. While works cannot produce salvation in your life, you cannot produce this fruit of righteousness in your life on your own. Christ is bigger than your sin. And if you will simply come to him with your sin, he will be faithful to forgive you and wash you and redeem you and make you new. There's nothing in your life that you would say, I've done this, that Christ cannot forgive, that Christ cannot redeem. Christ is bigger than your sin. And so if you're here today and you would say you're still in your sin because you've never allowed Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here and you would say, that's me, I'm still in my sin. I've never allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life. But today I recognize that Jesus was crucified on that cross and he did walk out of that tomb victoriously three days later. And today I'm ready to put my faith, my hope, and my trust not in my own works, but in Jesus Christ, the Savior who conquered the world. If that's you, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you step out of your seat? Would you join me down here? Today we can talk, we can pray. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be that starting point for this joy and peace that we're talking about. If that's you, would you respond today? Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ but I've never taken that next step of baptism like Lee did today. Listen, we don't believe that baptism saves us, but we do believe that God calls every single one of us to baptism after we place our faith in him. And so if you'd like to take that step to publicly profess Christ through baptism, then I'd love to talk with you. You can come down front. We can talk. We can pray. We can make that commitment together today. We already have several more on the list to get baptized. I would love to add you to the list as well. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to come and join this church body on mission here in this community and around the world. If God's calling you to connect with First Baptist Church Stockdale through membership, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, would you respond obediently? Stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. 
If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.